Hello, everyone. Welcome back for, to Chop for Time. I am Andrew Wolf, and joining me today is Ben James, the man himself. How are you doing today, Ben? Is is that your hype man routine? Is that kind of the intro for your? Because because uh, I, I mean it was it was good. The terminology was good. We may need to up the energy just a little bit because let's face it. Whenever I come out, the um, the congregation is. I'm not having to. Go, okay, you all can sit down. Now. My, please, please, please. My stop. voice is so monotone anyway. So there's no difference between it. I uh, I am doing well to answer good. your question. <laughs> so uh, how are you? How's how's life? How's things? I, I'm doing good, and God's moving. And it's evident, and I'm uh, I'm happy for that. I'm excited for that. So I'm. Just thankful right now. It's a really thankful season for me. But uh, yeah, it's going good. It's going really good. 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 Well, I, I appreciate you stepping in. And once again, this is this is time number three for oh, yeah. you on on the podcast. So you're you're a veteran right now. This is old hat for you. I know. Hopefully I've gotten used to some of the parts of it that I wasn't used to before, like the awkward pauses, but we're going to find out today, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. Yeah. Segways have never been our strong suit. Oh, no, no. And just the the overall, even though that you and I are sitting here looking at one another, you know, right, you know, eyeball to eyeball, yeah. here, we're, we're, we're making <laughs> eye contact in this tiny little room that yeah. we're in. The the concept of sitting here trying to carry on a conversation with this microphone directly in your face, it's a weird dynamic. It, is, it really it is. is so. A little added pressure to us, but it'll be okay. We'll make it through. So, um, I, as usual, do you want to kind of recap what you talked about this past Sunday? Sure. We, um, we're still in the first chapter of Daniel. This was our you know second part in our series of our study of the book of Daniel, and we're not really sure how long we're going to be there. Uh, we're just there till we're done, mm-hmm. uh, and we're just kind of being sensitive to God and what He wants, uh, the pace that He wants us to move through. But we, uh, we finished up with the remainder of the first chapter, which was verses 8 through 21. And we stopped last week. We did include uh, verse 8 in our passage last week also, mm-hmm. but kind of building there uh, off this one. This was where um, the the four Hebrew young men were faced with them being expected to consume the food and the wine of the king. And that's where they decided to push back. You know, we we talked a little bit already, so I'm not going to rehash it too much. Of, you know, they they didn't really give any type of resistance for the fact that they were being what they were learning uh, was was being changed. They didn't even really provide that much tension that we can see in Scripture. Anyhow, that their Hebrew names were taken from them and they were given Babylonian names. But then this third ask of what they consumed is where they began to give pushback. And again, we outlined some possibilities, and just really quickly, it could have been uh, because of dietary reasons. It could mm-hmm. have been food that was unclean for the Hebrew diet. It could have been a spiritual or a religious sense that maybe it was food that was offered and sacrificed to idols. Or maybe it was just more of a, um, you know, a, a, a taking a stance and just you know providing a little bit of resistance that, hey, we are not going to give absolute... Um, you know, authority mm-hmm. and, and recognition to uh, the Babylonian king. Uh, so we don't really know, but this is where they, you know, this was the hill. This was the hill they decided that they were yeah. going to make their stand on. And, you know, that's that's where we kind of picked up. And one of the things that um, that we talked about that really stood out to me was the way that Daniel conducted himself. Uh, he really, whenever this was being asked of them, he he began to give a little bit of pushback, but he did so in such a way that he did it with honor 
He did it with grace. He did it with respect. Mm. Um, and and I think there's a big lesson for us to learn as believers because you know we live in a form of Babylon. We really do. We live in a culture that tries to take away uh, the. It, it tries to change what we learn about God. It tries to take away our, our identity in God, and then it wants us to consume things of its produce right. and what it can right. offer. Uh, so you know, there's so many lessons that we can learn, and far more often than what I believe it should be, we take a militant approach to the way that we make our stand. Uh, and and we can tend to love to tell the truth more than we tell the truth in love, mm. and and there's a big difference there. And I went back and I found a uh, a poll of that they had taken of non Christians as to what were the top three things that came to mind. What were the characteristics in your mind as a non Christian as to what Christians are? And the first one was the you know that they think that we're judgmental. Fair enough. Yeah. Yep. Uh, they think that we're hypocritical. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. The third one kind of surprised me, though. It was that they believe that we are terrible friends, mm. and and that one really kind of um, you know hit home with me. And Daniel, the way he conducts himself, it really pays off. Not only here, but it pays off later in a, in a really big way that we'll look at later on in the series. But he. Uh, you know, he he produces he he proposes this kind of win-win situation because currently there's no real win-win situation here because there's two options. You know, the first option is that they defile themselves. You know, they eat the food, they defile themselves. Okay, mm-hmm. they lose. Uh, if they win and they don't do it, and there's no um, real recompense or you know punishment for it, then. Ashpenaz, the king's servant, loses his head. Yeah. Yeah, just no big deal. You're just going to be beheaded. Um, So Daniel kind of gives a third option, Uh, one that kind of gives, um, if we're talking in uh, FBI, CIA, presidential backroom deals, kind of gives the uh, servant, the the king's servant, plausible deniability here. Mm. He, Daniel says, just 10 days. Just let us eat vegetables and water. Yeah, I know. That's... I, I, you know, I, listen. If you do the the vegetarian thing, great Good on you. That, that, that's great. <laughs> I I don't I I can't, I can't do it. You know, I said in my sermon on Sunday, if God didn't intend for us to eat animals, He wouldn't have made them out of meat. You know, I mean, they're delicious. <laughs> yeah. But anyhow, I digress on that point. But that's what he proposed. He was like, listen, at the end of ten days, if we're not stronger, healthier, you know, if we're not doing as well then we'll reevaluate from there. Uh, and then at the end of 10 days, it said that they were stronger, they looked better, they were just noticeably, markedly different from the others who had been eating the food and mm-hmm. drinking the wine of the king. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that began to give them favor. Uh, we see where God began to bless their faithfulness. You know, He blessed them spiritually. He blessed them physically. He blessed them socially. He 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 blessed them, you know, in the eyes of the King, and that's a really, really big deal. And and I think that we need to look at that and see where there is this boldness and this just this courage. To not shrink away from confrontation, mm. to stand up for our convictions and not compromise those, but to do so in a way 
that was respectful, that yeah. was honoring, and and really, you know, the big idea of this whole theme of this passage that I presented to the congregation was that there is a way for us to live well in this world while still living faithfully for God. And I think that that's what we see encapsulated in the whole entirety, in the totality of the book of Daniel, but especially in this particular scripture, in this particular passage. So that's that's kind of where we were on Sunday. Mm-hmm. I, that, that's good stuff. I think because there's so much push and shove nowadays in culture that the almost instant instantaneous reaction to any disagreements or anything is to fight back harshly. But when we I really think it's interesting that you bring up the that Daniel did it in such a respectful manner that it actually later on paid off for him. And I don't know, that that's something that's interesting to me. That's something that I think I try to emulate as best as I can, but sometimes I just like I fail at it so hard. But I, I don't know. It's just one of the things that I think is very crucial to keep in mind, especially if you you know, you're a believer because it's yeah. just, it, it. If like you said, if you can't reflect love and respect in your response to any conflict, then where is there going to there where is there going to be growth? Well, and we we have such this: if you're not for me, you're against me yep. mentality. Yep. And you know, and, and I understand that that's a that's a teaching of Jesus, mm-hmm. and I get the foundation of where again, it's that loving to speak the truth instead of speaking the truth in love, which is what we're commanded to do. Jesus could say a whole lot of things, and I mean he could he could call people morons, mm-hmm. you know, and just you you evildoers, you brood of vipers, you know. And he could he could say these things, but he was Jesus. Yeah, you know, I mean there there was always this one thing of you know him just going, I'm loving the people, but at the same time I'm introducing truth yep. to them. And that's a balance that he achieved that I, me personally, I'm nowhere close to. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm better than what I used to be, mm-hmm. but I'm definitely not, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm right. right there with the Apostle Paul. It's like, I've not attained this. You know, I haven't right. arrived here yet. Uh, so I think that that's something that's just a really big deal for us to really strive towards and seek God and seek his wisdom and his discernment on these things of, okay, I... My home is not here. Mm-hmm. Babylon was not Daniel's home. Heaven is our home. We're we're waiting like, you know, Abraham was talked about in Hebrews uh, chapter eleven verse ten. You know, he's waiting and looking to this city whose builder and architect is God. Mm-hmm. That's our home. But right now we live here. You know, Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. They lived in Babylon. Right. They couldn't control that. But that wasn't their home. They. They couldn't control what was going on in Babylon, but they could control what was going on in them. So they couldn't control about that they were in Babylon, but they could control how much of Babylon got into them. Mm -hmm. And that's, I believe, the same parallel that we face. And the way that we live in this world, the way that we interact, the way that we treat people and, and approach people goes a really long way, in my opinion, to the level of effectiveness that we have of sharing the gospel in other people's lives. Because I believe that if we have a level of influence, mm-hmm. uh, the greater the level of influence, I believe the more platform 
that we have to genuinely present the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Because if people know that we care about them genuinely, regardless of their believer, unbeliever, whatever, if they know that we care for them genuinely, then that raises our level of influence with them. And I believe we become more effective witnesses. Mm-hmm. No, I absolutely agree with you. If the It's just the reflection of love, and that's the thing. It's that that's is what's supposed to set us apart from everyone else. It's that reflection of love and ex- like not necessarily. I'm gonna, I w- I'm gonna define this term really quick. Not okay. necessarily like acceptance of what people may be doing, but acceptance of the person as God made them. Yeah. yeah. And so I just think that's important to go forward, and especially, I mean, you mentioned earlier um, with Daniel just. The, he sought God's wisdom before his own. And that is something that I feel like I I really attempt. Um, I attempt to strive for that every single day. But it, it I can I, I start to see myself and notice myself beginning to fall away from that aspect of seeking God's wisdom before my own and maybe seeking God's path for me in my life rather than my own. And I have to like completely like repent of it and like do a 180 and be like, I I know if I continue to go down this path that I want, it's going to lead me nowhere. Mm-hmm. It's going to make, like lead me to more trouble down yeah. the path. You know, Daniel could have been like, you know what? I would love to have like a steak or a you know a fillet or something like that with the yeah. with the king with the king's food or whatever. I forget the terminology used, but um, he said, I no, like I'm not. This is the one, like you said before. This is the one thing I'm gonna. Hold fast, yeah. and, and the, the way he went about it was so respectful. Yeah, it was it was Christ-like. Feed me, yeah, feed me vegetables. Christ, yeah. <laughs> and you know the let, let's pause right there for a minute because yeah. like, we're talking about food, and that's my favorite thing to talk about. So, <laughs> um, you know, here here we have. Uh, I believe it's the Revised Standard Version, the RSV, mm-hmm. says describes this as rich food. This is most likely food that these young men. Number one, have have never consumed before. They've never had before. They may have never even seen it before. And how easy would it have been for them to almost take almost a victim's approach and embrace the victimhood of this situation, Mm. of their displacement from their home and their captivity in Babylon? And, okay, well, this has happened to me. That's happened to me. This is going on. I'm changing what I'm learning. They're changing my name. I'm away from home. I'm away from everything I know. Obviously, God hates me. I've been punished for something. So might as well. I mean, this stuff is, I mean, look at that steak. You know, I mean, just look at that. It, might as well just compromise it. Right. That would have been me. Mm-hmm. I'm just transparent as can be. That would have been me too. I'd be like, yeah, okay. Well, I'm just obviously <laughs> nothing matters. Nothing matters. So I might as well just do it. But here we see these teenagers, <laughs> teenagers, man, and they're just uh, number one. I mean, there's a couple things I think we can glean from that. Is um, Number one, if you're listening to this and you have teenagers or you are a teenager, understand that your relationship with God is so real right now. It's not in the future. It's not when you hit adulthood. It is right now. Mm -hmm. And parents, what you do and the way that you raise your children and the way that you disciple them, because you are their primary disciplers. It's not the church. It's not the youth pastor. It's not the preacher. You, as parents, are the primary disciplers. It makes a big, big deal because we see these four young men, teenagers, displaced from their home, away from their parents in a completely different culture, learning, being, acting, everything around them changed 
but yet they're remaining faithful to God. Mm-hmm. Such an awesome witness, man. Yep, it's amazing. So for me, when we look through this scripture, uh, one of the most interesting snippets of it that I would like for or love for you to do, kind of expand on uh, verses seven. It's actually it's verse seventeen. Um, it's after the guard uh, takes away their choice food and gives them vegetables instead and water instead of what they've been given before. It says, To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. Could you kind of expand upon that? What you think that, I don't know, like, what, what, what do you think that means? Like, what do you well, I think that there's, that yeah, I think there's so many different layers of application that we can glean from this. Hmm. You know, number one, we talk about they changed what they learned. Uh, you know, the the learning system, obviously, what the Hebrew culture would have emphasized as important and valuable would be completely different than what the Babylonian culture would emphasize as important mm-hmm. and valuable. But it, we look at learning things of the world and from the world, they're not all bad things. Mm. Because, you know, there are some that are. Let, let's, you know, there are there is a dividing line there. But I think we look at, you know, God gave him understanding of all literature and learning and wisdom, you know, in this literature. Um, and, and that's something that was a cultural thing. So there's that element to it. But I also think that there is such an understanding of stewarding well what God is doing in our current season that, as we'll see as we continue to go through this book of Daniel, actually sets us up for the following seasons in our lives. What we do today matters. You know, our actions, our choices, uh, the way that we approach life, the way that we approach our relationship with God and the relationship with others, it matters. Mm. And how well we steward what God gives us today and how obedient that we are with that oftentimes will determine what level we can be entrusted with or gifted with in the next season. Mm. So we're seeing these young men you know, what we're going to see over these next few messages and chapters is that what they do right here, if they didn't do this, if they didn't steward this well right now in this moment, we may not even be talking about the next few chapters here. Mm-hmm. But because of their faithfulness and because they're willing to make their stand and not compromise their convictions and their beliefs in God, then God begins to bless them. We'd already talked about several different areas, but one of those was mentally and that's what we're seeing here. God granted them wisdom in their learning and their understanding. And then that passage that you just read right there in that verse talks about that to Daniel was given a gift of interpretation and understanding dreams and visions. That's mm-hmm. a that's not only a learning type thing, but that's also a spiritual blessing too. Yep. And that that plays a huge role in what we're going to look at Sunday in, in the entirety of chapter 2 and for the rest of Daniel's life. So understanding that what we do today is a really big deal. How well we do with what we have and what God has given us today oftentimes will either propel us or restrict us from what we have in store for the next season of our life. And you know, it kind of goes back to that that biblical principle of, you know, he that can be found faithful with little can be entrusted much. So that concept of stewardship in mm-hmm. our lives, of our gifting and what God is asking us to do now, is not only big for the now, 
but it's really big for futuristic mm-hmm. speaking too in the next season of our lives. For the last two sermons, you've asked this question of where do you ask the congregation more specific, specifically, where do we see Jesus in this passage? And so when I'm looking at this, um, I kind of want to pick your brain mm-hmm. and ask you, where where do you specifically see Jesus in this passage of Scripture? Oh, glad you asked that. <laughs> um, yeah, not like it was not on the screen at the end of my <laughs> sermon for the past two weeks. You know, I, I think the one thing that biblically, just overall from a biblical perspective, that we can lose um, focus on is that the whole book's about Jesus. Mm. The whole book points to Jesus, whether it was pre-cross, post-cross, during that that time period, from cover to cover, the book is the story of Jesus. Mm -hmm. So I think that we need to approach every scripture that we look at with this question of, even even if it's a narrative form, like what we're seeing here in Daniel, it's a story form, where do we see Jesus in this passage of scripture that we're looking at? And I think the most obvious way, I think that there's a couple. We talked about one last week, but we're still dealing with food, so I think it's applicable that when Jesus was alone in the wilderness for 40 days, 40 nights, without food or water, one of the three temptations that's recorded in the Gospels of the enemy of Satan himself coming and tempting Christ was a temptation of food to compromise where food was concerned. Food's a big deal in our lives. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Jesus. I love food. Uh, (laughs) But food has always been a big deal. And it's always been a source of temptation. And what we consume oftentimes kind of reveals to us our level of obedience in relationship with God because it wasn't the fact of the food was, quote, unquote, so wrong. It was what the food stood for in the instance of Daniel. Mm -hmm. It would have been a disobedient act. Same thing with Jesus in the wilderness because Satan basically says, listen, I know you're hungry. Why don't you tell you, you're the son of God. You know, tell these stones to turn to bread. All you got to do is command it. And there, boom, you've got food. But it wasn't the fact that Jesus, it would have been wrong for Jesus to consume bread. He did it his whole life. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a consumption thing of what he was consuming was wrong. It was the fact that in that moment, he would have been disobedient to what God was doing in his life at that point. So I think we see that parallel to Jesus right there with this uh, this standing firm in convictions on on the food issue. And then we also see these these young men, Daniel and these other three young men that are in front of kings. They're in front of high-ranking officials, and they're making a stand. I can't I, – I think back and I see the story of Jesus in front of both Cyrus and Pilate. Yep. You know, standing there in front of these government officials, giving accurate, unrepentant, truthful testament Mm -hmm. to his convictions, his identity, and his purpose. And obviously, you know, Jesus is the greater everything. Jesus is the greater David. He's the greater Moses. He's the greater John the Baptist. And in this case, he's the greater Daniel. Because in Daniel's case, he was rewarded for this faithfulness. Jesus' reward for his faithfulness in front of Pilate, in front of these government officials, was he died on a cross. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I just I love being able to look at that and go, man, there's this this book really is about Jesus, and we can't take that lens off of it. If you're reading scripture outside of the lens of Jesus, 
you're reading it wrong. Mm-hmm. You're focusing on the wrong thing. And it's, I think that's never more evident. Everybody's scared of the book of Revelation, and I, and I get it. Uh, oh, yeah. it well, I get it. And listen, if you want to read some crazy stuff too, read the last few chapters of Daniel. You know, from Daniel chapter 7 on to the end of the book is Revelation-like. Uh, and then the book that right before Daniel, Ezekiel, <laughs> I mean, you talk about some crazy stuff. But whenever, you know, do you, do you know the, do you remember the full title of the book of Revelation? It's it's not just the book of Revelation. It's is it, oh, I don't want to say because I'd be wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry, I can edit it go, out. Go, go for it. <laughs> the book's title is the Revelation of Jesus Christ. Christ. Okay, I was right. I yeah. want everyone to know. <laughs> I was right. We would never know if you're telling right. the truth or lying right here because you never came off with it. But it's it's all about Jesus. Mm-hmm. So you know, I, I think that we need to whether it's something that we purposefully present in a message or a, a, a kind of an underlying thing, we need to always be looking at God's Word with this understanding of how is this pointing me to Christ. Mm-hmm. Just, I I enjoy looking through any text of Scripture with that lens on of just like, where is Jesus? Because mm-hmm. he's, I mean, John 1, 1. He's there. He was there. He was he, there. He's there since the beginning. He is the word the word became flesh is at the beginning he's part of creation he's just yeah man he's awesome (laughs) yeah and then you look through all these passages of scripture and you can just begin to really see just how evident he is even before his birth even before his ministry before his death how evident he is yeah i think that's something just it's just wonderful to see. It's a privilege to be able to, because bef- before not knowing Jesus at certain points in my life, remembering that time, and then even as an early believer, not knowing that much about him, and then finally learning, oh, he was there in the beginning? I didn't know that. And then I began to read through it again, and especially with my four years down here at KCU, just being able to really dive in the Scripture and really um, just, it is, I just, seem to see him all the time. Yeah. And it is a beautiful thing. And it's something that going forward, like I think everyone should have that lens yeah. on of being like, where is Jesus? Because I know he's there. Yeah. Yeah. So. Amen. Well, Andrew, thanks again for uh, for stepping up, stepping into the uh, magical land of the First Church Studio. <laughs> uh, and uh, I appreciate you taking time out of your day. Guys, if you uh, don't have a church to go to, uh, Sunday morning, 930 is our Sunday school here at First Church. Our worship begins at 1030. We will be looking at the entirety of chapter 2. Uh, so, yes, I am faced with the task this week of fitting an entire chapter, a message, into 30 to 35 minutes. Uh, so that is always a fun time. But we're going to be looking at that. Uh, if you'd like to kind of get a feel for us first, get some more information, you can find all of that at FCCGrayson.com, or you can contact us, firstchurchgrayson at gmail.com, or call us, 606-474-5464. But wait, there's more. No, I'm kidding. We're done. Drew, thanks again, man. Absolutely. Thank you. See you guys.